Well, thank you. It's a uh, privilege to uh, be with all of you tonight. And uh, we want to talk to you this evening about uh, the glue that's held our marriage together for 59 years. And uh, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> and it's taken a lot of glue to hold a marriage together that long, let me tell you. Uh, there's a verse in Colossians 1.17, and it's talking about Jesus. And it says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And uh, uh, Jesus is truly the glue that has held our marriage together mm -hmm. for all of these years and is still holding it together. And uh, not long after we were married, we bought a Volkswagen Beetle, and I drove that to work for, for many years. And when it got well over 100,000 miles, I'd get in my car each day, and I would pray this verse. Colossians 1.17, I'd say, God, please hold my car together another day. But one day as I was exiting the freeway to go to a, a business meeting, uh, there was a tremendous jolt in uh, the left wheel, rear wheel of my car was gone as I got out and uh, started looking around and the wheel was nowhere in sight. And uh, a couple of guys from uh, work were going to the meeting also, and they stopped by, and we looked all up and down the freeway for that wheel, but uh, we <laughs> couldn't find it. And so uh, uh, some of the guys went on the meeting, and we continued to look, but finally we went to the meeting, and we walked in, and the president of the company said, I heard you lost your wheel. I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said, well, are you sure you had it this morning when you came to work? And I said, well, I thought I did. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, wheels don't just come off of cars. They come off of marriages, too. And uh, we've had a lot of wheels come off of our marriage in the 59 years that we've been married. And that's what we want to talk to you about this evening is what you do when the wheels come off. And, uh, you know, I decided finally after, um, you know, my car, when the wheels came off, and I finally came back after that meeting, and there was a note with my wheel in, in the back seat, and it uh, said that I found this wheel about uh, more than a half a mile down the freeway. And I thought it was time to get a new car. Well, uh, you know, we don't get a new husband or wife uh, just like I got a new car because the scripture says that when we marry, we become one flesh and it's not meant to be uh, torn or separated. And uh, we have found that regardless of our marriage problems, that there is nothing too great or too big or too impossible that God can't handle. Uh, he is truly the one. He is the glue that has held our marriage together, and he is the one that uh, puts our wheels back on and glues them back on uh, when those marriage wheels come off. But there is a starting point, and that's that you uh, both have to know the one who holds everything together. And there's a verse in Amos 3.3, 3, and it asks the question, 
Uh, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And the answer to that is no. Uh, you won't get where you're going if you aren't agreeing on the direction. And uh, in marriage, both of you need to be on the same page spiritually. And we had very different spiritual backgrounds growing up. And because my story, story didn't include Christ, we had wheels coming off of our marriage very early on. Uh, I want to talk to you about how I came to know the one who holds everything together. Billy Graham, in 1951, made his first film, and it was about a dying cowboy on his deathbed whom he told about Jesus. And it was a black and white film, and in his autobiography, he says, it was a terrible film, and he was very embarrassed about the poor quality of the film. But I was seven years old, and the downtown Big First Baptist Church in El Paso was going to host a showing of the film. And my mother took me to the film, and we sat way, way up in the balcony in what to me was a very beautiful, big, big church. I was very engaged with the story on the screen, but then by the end of it, I was very troubled by it. And I can remember to this day, standing in the bathroom when we got home and looking at myself in the mirror and knowing so clearly that I was like the cowboy in the film. I was separated from Jesus because of my sin. And I was very troubled, but I went to bed, and the next morning before my mother left for work, I said, I want to be like that cowboy in the film. I want to know Jesus. I want to have him in my life. And so that evening, she called the pastor of our little neighborhood church, and he came to our house. Pastors did make house calls in those days. He sat down on the couch beside me, and he showed me in the Bible how I could know Jesus and have him in my life. He knelt down in front of the couch, and I knelt down too. And I asked Jesus to come into my life and forgive my sin. My dad worked a night shift, and every night I would leave him a note, and I would ask him to leave me lunch money, which was 25 cents, to leave me 25 cents for the next day at school. And then that night, I added the sentence, I asked Jesus into my life tonight. My dad never said a word to me about that note, but when he died, that note was in his lockbox, and I have it. I misspelled Jesus. I am not and will never be a good speller. But for me, that began a journey of following Jesus to now, 71 years later, and it's been a growing process. I struggled as a little girl with a lot of fear and anxiety, and as I grew older, that just translated into worrying all the time. But by God's grace, he has patiently been conforming me to the image of Christ, and with his help, and believers around me, I have learned 
and am still learning to release myself to his plans. You might ask, how did I marry James when he wasn't a Christian? Good looks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he said he was a Christian, and I was in love. And he did promise my daddy that we would be involved in a church and that he would be the spiritual leader in the home. And that lasted about six months. As as I mentioned, when we got married in 1963, we were definitely not on the same page spiritually. I had no clue of what God meant for marriage to be. Uh, I was committed to what I wanted, and I was not committed to our marriage, which resulted in the first years of our marriage not going well at all. I was a deceiver and not a believer. I knew about Christ, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And the number one priority in my life was not God, or it wasn't even Judy, but it was totally me. And I was obsessed with myself, my career, and getting my way. And to make things even worse, my fits of anger were the source of many, many conflicts in in our marriage. Like the time that I was dozing in front of the TV, and uh, Mm -hmm. Judy came over and woke me up and wanted me to open a jar of pimentos. Angered by the fact that she woke me up and I couldn't get the jar of pimentos open, I just took them and I hurled them at the wall, and as the pimentos broke and glass and pimentos running down the wall, I said, there you go, they're open. And that is not the best way to open a glass jar, and it is not the best way at all to build a lasting relationship. Or one time I was returning home uh, from to our apartment from the laundromat, and somebody was parked in our designated carport. And so I thought, well, I'll show them. So I put the car in reverse, I backed it up, I put it in low gear, and I rammed them, only <laughs> to find out that their bumper raised above my bumper and broke out my headlights and bashed in my grill. And then I went in and blamed Judy for sending me to the laundromat And that did not work out well either. (laughs) And I am quite sure that we would have been divorced had I not come into a personal relationship with Christ in 1970. But that was actually seven years into our marriage. And I was uh, sitting in a car one night waiting for Judy, was in uh, some sort of decorating class, and Uh, a guy had shared with me a little booklet called Connecting with God. And as I was reading that little booklet, uh, it's like God turned a light on in my heart and all of a sudden I understood uh, law number three about all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And uh, at that point in time in my car, I just said, uh, you know, God... Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you come in and change me and make me the man that you want me to be? And uh, after that prayer that night, uh, God began to work in my life to change me. I began to have a hunger for his word. And I began to enjoy being around uh, Christians. And uh, uh, Judy and I were now on the same page uh, spiritually. Uh, But... 
while I still struggle with anger and I still struggle with self-centeredness and wanting to be in control, uh, God is working on me still today at 82 years old through his word and through his spirit and through the body of Christ to answer that prayer to make me the man that uh, he wants me to be. But as I said, after that encounter with God, Judy and I were both walking in the same direction. We both had God as our chief marriage mechanic. And he was there to help us keep the wheels on our marriage and when they came off, to put them back on. And, uh, you know, if you are not both headed in the same spiritual direction, our prayer for this uh, past week or so has been that uh, tonight you might sit down and consider the claims of Christ. And there's uh, some of these Connecting with God booklets that are at the back as you leave. And we just encourage you to pick up one of those and, and read through that little booklet. And uh, because we know that having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the start of having a great marriage. You need to go to the one who holds everything together. And that is called prayer. And you need to go to him together. Praying together may be the single most important spiritual discipline that you will ever share. That's a quote from Dennis and Barbara Rainey in their book, Two Hearts Praying as One. We have found that to be true. Praying together has improved every aspect of our marriage and our intimacy with each other. We know you have hard situations in your lives and in your marriage, and we know that because we have plenty of them ourselves. While these struggles seem to be impossible to overcome by ourselves, but as followers of Christ, we know the one who can change them. And so we have this prayer principle of for nothing is impossible with God, Luke 1.37. When we started to pray together, we found it to be very awkward. So just agree when you start to pray together, knowing it's going to feel awkward and uncomfortable to begin with. But I want to encourage you, maybe pick up that Dennis Rainey book. It's called Two Hearts Praying as One. It will take you through 30 days of praying together. It begins with a week where you just read the prayer to each other, and it graduates to eventually where it gives you a topic, and you write your prayer, and you read it to each other. It's a great helpful tool to start praying together. We pray together now. We pray in the morning. We pray at night. We pray when we walk. We pray by phone. We pray by email. We pray by text. We pray at red lights. Over the years, God has allowed us to love praying together. And it doesn't cost anything either. <laughs> We make a part of our praying together as a couple to pray scripture. When we pray scripture, we're praying God's will for our lives. It moves us from our agenda to God's agenda. When we pray scripture, we're asking God for the strategies that are his will and way for our marriage. For me, praying scripture for James, I pray the character qualities that God lists 
in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 that he desires for a mature man in the Lord. And I would ask you wives, make a list of 10 things that you would like to change in your husband. You will not have any trouble coming up with 10 very quickly. <laughs> I listed my 10 and then I put them in an envelope and I sealed it and I asked the Lord to help me pray for his list, the one in Titus 3 and Titus 1, instead of mine. And I would take one of those qualities and I would meditate on it and I would pray it for James. And I would ask God to change things in me that needed to be changed in order for God to be able to work in his life for that quality. So the qualities in 1 Timothy and Titus 1 have great verses to pray for husbands. Like, Father, may James's life be above reproach. May he be faithful to me. May he exercise self-control and have a good reputation and enjoy having guests in our home and be able to teach and not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Lord, help him to be gentle and not quarrelsome and not love money and manage our family well. Another tool that we have used in prayer is five-second prayers where we just... We put it on our refrigerator and we could just stop in the morning and pray together a five-second prayer. And then we would just focus and meditate on that verse during the day. So something like, change us, Lord, from Romans 12.2 is a great one to use. Or, Lord, help us encourage each other in faith today, Romans 1.12. Or, Father, grant us your wisdom to see life through your eyes, James 1.5. Just remember that our God is always there to hear us when we pray because he is always working. And I think you have a copy um, tonight of these uh, five-second prayers that you can take with you. And I would say when you start home, just pray one of them right from the beginning. But what are things that motivated us to pray together? Well, one thing about praying together was that it increased our intimacy. God desires to, for us to have oneness in our marriage. And the Latin for intimacy means inner, I-N-N-E-R. Allowing someone to know the inner you. Think of the word intimacy in four little words. In, to, me, see. Intimacy in any relationship requires pursuit. You do not drift into intimacy. You drift into isolation. Your husband will not be able to meet all of your expectations. Our confidence needs to be in the Lord, and we can rest in him to work in our husband's life. And keep in mind, you and I are not called upon to be the Holy Spirit in our husband's life. The joy of our relationship and intimacy with the Lord has increased. It's opened wider the door to empathy in physical relationship. Praying together removes physical roadblocks as we honestly share ourselves spiritually and emotionally. 
And men, a, a great thing to pray for your wives is uh, Proverbs 31 and, and verses 10 through 31. And those are the character qualities of noble wives. And that's a great thing to pray just like Judy is praying, First uh, Timothy and Titus. And uh, we wanted to share just some uh, keys that have really helped us in prayer. And, and the first one is just to expect trouble. Uh, you know, if you're not having trouble today, you know, just hold on because it'll <laughs> probably be there tomorrow. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a friend's grandmother who had a, fair, a paraphrase of that verse, and she said, if it's not one damn thing, it's another damn thing. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we have found out that a lot of damn things come up uh, over time. But, uh, uh, you know, God is there to help us with all the life problems that occur and all of the marriage problems that occur because they will occur. So just expect that trouble is going to happen. And the other thing is just like, Judy alluded to is that God is always working. In John 5, 17, Jesus said, my father is always working and so am I. And, uh, you know, uh, God does not slumber. You know, he's not sleeping. He is there 24-7 to hear our prayers. And he is there to help us with our marriage problems and all kinds of problems that we have in life. And uh, we found three uh, simple verses that have kind of been foundational verses for us as we pray. And the first one is Colossians 4.2. And it just says, be devoted to prayer. And what that means is that prayer is a priority with us. And uh, men, I'd just like to say that we are the ones that need to be the prayer initiators with our wives. So if you're not doing that, start doing that tonight because God wants us to be the spiritual leaders in the home. And the second verse is Philippians 4, 6, and it just says, pray about everything. And when God says everything, he means everything. I mean, there is nothing too small, there is nothing too big that God doesn't want to hear about and help us with. And then the third one is 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that just it says pray all the time. Just be in an attitude of prayer all day long. And uh, if, at your work desk, uh, at the kitchen table, uh, washing dishes, just remember God is there with you and just say, you know, God, I want to thank you. God, help me with this. God, be with this particular child in this test. Whatever it is, we can pray uh, all the time, and God is, is there with us. And, uh, you know, we have found that uh, the glue that uh, holds our marriage together is, first off, knowing God. We both had to know Jesus and trust in him and follow him. And then the second thing is when we started praying together, there was tremendous change that happened in our lives and happened in our marriage. And uh, just remember that uh, he is the one that keeps the wheels on your marriage. And if one does come off, he's the one that can 
glue them back on again. All we have to do is ask him. And uh, just remember that Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. Uh, Colossians 1.17. And you know, God is our marriage mechanic and he wants to be yours too. So let us pray. Father, we do just thank you for this uh, time with uh, this group of couples in re-engage. And uh, Father, we just pray that uh, even tonight they would uh, just know you more intimately. And uh, Father, that they would know their spouse more intimately. And they would uh, do that just by uh, uh, devoting themselves to prayer. And uh, Lord, just pray that the men would step up and be the prayer initiators and be the spiritual leaders in the home. And Lord, we just pray you would cause great blessings in each one of these marriages. Mm -hmm. That if a marriage is struggling, you would just help them through it. If it's a good marriage, you would just make it better. And Father, we just pray that every marriage in here would uh, bring great glory and honor mm -hmm. to you. And Father, we just pray that you would give every person and every couple hope just knowing that you are the glue that holds everything together and you are the glue that can put things back together. And Father, we thank you so much for that. And more than anything, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is our salvation. And we just pray if there's anyone here tonight who has not made a commitment to Christ, who does not understand uh, how much you love him and that you died on the cross for their sins, we just pray that you would reveal that to them this very evening. And Father, we just uh, pray you'd bless everyone as they go to their groups and we just uh, thank you for how you've blessed our marriage and for our time uh, here tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Thank you, guys.